It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. I'll be joined by my co-host, James Rapine, for segments two and three of the program today. Victory Monday, or Sunday, depending on when you're listening to the show, a game that Vegas didn't think the Bengals would win, that I didn't really think the Bengals would win, but I wondered, I wondered out loud last week, how big it could be. If they could get a win in this game, much like they got a win when they went to the undefeated Kansas City Chiefs and Chad Johnson guaranteed a victory. What that did for that team's confidence at the time, could that be what this does for this team's confidence? The first good win in the Zach Taylor era, by far the best win in the Zach Taylor era, efficient offense, defense that did enough, and a Bengals victory as they move to 2-2 two and two at home. As always, I'll get you started with my big takeaways from the game. Then James will join me for segments 2 and 3, as I mentioned earlier. And we'll get in to our regular Sunday afternoon conversation. We'll talk about what was said in the press conferences. And we'll enjoy it along with you. So let's get started with my big takeaways, my summary of this game, that the Bengals really controlled from start to finish. The Cincinnati Bengals controlled this one from the beginning to the end of the game, starting with a 3-0, then a 10-0 lead, and maintaining that lead throughout the ballgame. They went into the half with a 10-point lead. They scored first in the second half and managed to do enough, scoring two touchdowns in the second half to get to 31 points and holding the Tennessee Titans off to win the game by 11 points. Their biggest win under Zach Taylor, the first time they've beaten a team with a winning record under Zach Taylor, the first time he's beaten a coach as esteemed as Mike Vrabel coaching the Tennessee Titans. And this one could have easily gotten away from the Bengals, but instead they finished the football game. The offense was efficient all day long. Joe Burrow playing one of his better games in the NFL, especially if you don't count the late interception in this one that was waved off and nullified by a defensive pass interference penalty that looked a little bit questionable when it was called. Very efficient game looking at the EPA per play perspective. He didn't make mistakes. The Bengals running game was even working fairly well with Giovanni Bernard and Samaji Pirine. Sure, there are things to nitpick. The defense didn't necessarily play great, but they did enough to make Ryan Tannehill uncomfortable. The Titans quarterback, who's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL since he went to Tennessee from Miami, 
finishing just 18 of 30 for 233 yards. He did have two touchdowns on the day, but threw an interception and could have had two more balls picked if Carl Lawson hadn't lined up in the neutral zone or Von Bell had managed to hang on to a tough deflected pass. So overall, a strong effort all around. Jesse Bates did pick off Ryan Tannehill in the end zone early in this game, which went a long way, I think, in securing the victory for the Bengals. Instead of the Titans coming away with a minimum of three points there, they get zero. The Bengals go score a touchdown later after a punt. The Titans do get back on the board in the first half, but at that point, the Bengals have time to do a 5-minute, 32-second, perfectly executed, clock-killing, 4-minute drive that turns out to be a little bit more than 4 minutes, obviously, and the Bengals score last for once going into halftime. Coming out of the half, they get the ball back right away, and the defense showed up a little bit. The Titans were just 5 of 9 on third down, which in other games might be a bit of a problem, but since the Bengals controlled the clock, winning the time of possession battle 36-24, to It kind of took away the Titans' ability to do the things they wanted to do on offense, which are run Derrick Henry a whole lot and use that play-action passing game. Because when the Titans were able to do that, they were able to move the ball quite effectively. When Ryan Tannehill was forced to be a drop-back passer is when you started to see him making mistakes. The Bengals even won the sack battle in this game, and in a game where Michael Jordan was a late scratch and the Bengals had to scramble to find five offensive linemen, which eventually turned into Quinton Spain very early in this game, they didn't give up a single sack on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow did evade a few sacks with some Joe Burrow magic that looked a lot like he did back at LSU. But on the other hand, the Bengals, they only had one sack, but it was at a crucial time on a third down to get off the field. So while they were outgained in the game, 441 to 367, and you're going to look at the box score and see that they gave up 218 rushing yards, which is a problem. Don't get me wrong there, 7.5 yards per carry for Tennessee is a whole lot more than you want to see given up. But the Bengals did enough in stopping the pass. They stiffened up when they had to. And holding this offense to 20 points, is a bit of an accomplishment. They did that with a clutch interception. They did it with a clutch sack and with just getting off the field a few times in this game when they really had to. So there's a lot of credit to go around. I think you have to credit Jim Turner for getting this offensive line ready. Yes, the Tennessee Titans have had a hard time generating a pass rush this year despite having a star-studded defensive front, but they did not get a whole lot of pressure on Joe Burrow today despite Burrow having just about 40 dropbacks in the game. You also have to credit Zach Taylor, who I thought called a fantastic game. The Bengals only punting twice in this game, I believe, with one of those coming at the end of the game. And generally playing very efficient offense, finding ways to get Giovanni Bernard creases, finding ways to get Samaji Piran creases, and finding a way to move the ball effectively in the passing game, despite a vicious wind that really played a factor in the kicking game more than in passing offenses in this one. The Bengals go to 2-5-1 and one on the season. They go into the bye with a victory, and Bengals fans get to celebrate this one for an extra week until the Bengals take on the Steelers in Week 10. Coming up next, I'm joined by James Rapine as we review what was said in the media press conferences as the team celebrates its win, what we think this means going forward, how good it is to beat a good team, going into the bye week. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, 
fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Whether it's elation over Tyler Boyd taking a touchdown from Joe Burrow against the Tennessee Titans, or watching Geo take it up the middle, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football, watching. This is Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out. The nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. James Rapine, now with me, the co-host of the Lockdown Bengals podcast, live from Paul Brown Stadium. James, both of us surprised with this victory. But man, credit, some some stops to the defense, some clutch plays at times. And the offense kind of did what we thought they would do. What's your initial takeaway? Yeah, you're, you're right. Look, the offense did what it's certainly capable of doing what we've seen over the past couple of weeks. But I certainly question that when we got the news about Michael Jordan this morning. Obviously, anytime you're missing four of five starting offensive linemen and five of five, if you count Xavier Suofilo, who is obviously the week one starter, uh, you can question things some. And I certainly did. And uh, I even asked Zach Taylor uh, about this after the game. I was like, man, how, how does it feel? The offensive line obviously has taken a ton of heat this year, and rightfully so. And the defense, same thing, specifically over the past couple of weeks. Those two units respond and play well. And, you, you know, I, it's, uh, you know, he's obviously excited and it's his first win over a winning team since becoming head coach of the Bengals. But I think that's what stood out the most, Jake, is the fact that you have this mismatch of, you know, misfit toys almost, where you got like a first rounder in Billy Price who's out to prove that he can still play, Akeem Adeniji who's probably playing sooner than he should, uh, a guy in Quentin Spain who wasn't even on the roster Thursday, he signs Friday, uh, meets with the, the coaching staff, but hasn't practiced with any of his teammates and plays all but one drive at left guard, and they make it work. And, and on the defense, the same thing, they're making it work. And uh, that was a really good offense. And yeah, they gave up yards, but they didn't give up points. 20 points, you'll take that all day. So it was a, it was a really good job by those two units. It, it's kind of crazy because you expect Joe Burrow to have a good game, and you expect these receivers to play well. But you wonder about other things, and obviously those things happened as well. But the, the defense and then the play in the trenches by the offensive line are two things that really stood out to me. Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit in our game preview, speculating that if you had to go with a patchwork offensive line – 
this week isn't necessarily the worst week to do that with the Titans really struggling in the pass rush really all season. And I thought that you mentioned Quentin Spain. Billy Price in his presser after the game said Spain didn't even get a single walkthrough rep with his team <clears> this week. They totally got him ready on the sideline. And they had seen enough from Shaq Calhoun after one drive to say, you know what, we're, we're going to go with a veteran out there and hope that he stabilizes. Because the, the first drive for the Bengals ended when pass protection got a little shaky. And I thought Quentin Spain came in and they obviously had a game plan that mitigated, you know, true pass sets and, and took the offensive line out of the situations where they were going to have to hold up for a really long time against, you know, certain looks. But I thought Spain coming in was a stabilizing force, and it could just be a coincidence. But after he came in, I thought that the offensive line generally looked a lot better against a defensive line that has a lot of names and not a lot of production. Absolutely did. And that's the thing is is that's why you go out and get a guy like Spain. That's why when he was released, there were so many fans uh, that that were saying, all right, go get him. Because you you look at just whether it's PFF or his track record or how many starts, whatever it is. That's a guy who can help you. And it might be as a backup. It might be as a starter, right? But it's a guy who can help you. And he certainly did that today. And uh, Zach Taylor deserves credit as well because the offense, you're right, was built around, all right, this group is not going to pass protect for six seconds, right? We're not going to do that. We're going to get the ball out of Joe's hands quick. We're going to get these receivers open. They're going to make contested catches. We're going to trust them to do that. And the thing, honestly, I was surprised about the most when they needed to run the ball, they were able to, you know, Giovanni Bernard's 12 yard touchdown run. There were, there were times when they were able to open up holes. Uh, his first two carries, I think went for 15 yards and you don't have to run the ball a ton, but it's just gotta be enough to keep the defense honest. And, and I think they did that. So that, that starts with the offensive line, Zach Taylor's play calling in there as well. And uh, who knows? I mean, Spain, it's going to be interesting looking back at this because even his mistakes, and I'm sure he made mistakes, you can't really hold against him. He was not supposed to play today. Well, we talked to Zach on Friday, and it was more, yeah, he's going to be active just because, just in an emergency, you know, just as an emergency type of, of player. Well, th- they pressed that emergency button on the second drive, and it paid off. Yeah, and I wonder what triggered that, if it was just the way they were playing over there or if there was an injury to Shaq Calhoun. I, I don't think that any injury was mentioned on the broadcast or nope. in the press conferences afterwards. I, I want to just praise, I guess, we, we have to take a moment here to to heap some praise upon Jim Turner, as Zach Taylor did, and Ben Martin, the assistant offensive line coach, again, as Zach Taylor did, a guy that mm-hmm. we've criticized a lot in terms of not getting the best players on the field. And th- there's a caveat that is, you know, if, if this is the same offensive line that the Bengals run out there to face the Steelers, I'm not going to feel better about it than I would if, you know, Jonah Williams and uh, Xavier Suofilo and, and Trey Hopkins were out there. But on an occasion where you lose three, four guys in a week, to get four guys ready to go against any NFL team is an accomplishment that that deserves some praise. But I guess the other side of that coin, and and I don't want to be too much of a downer here, is let's not think that this should be the offensive line going forward. They had a very nice week, but small sample size caveats do apply. So that's all I'm going to say on on like kind of the negative side of things because they did have a great week they got a game plan together as you said to zach taylor's credit to the offensive line coaches and the players credit they got a game plan together that worked 
saw a lot of the the same designs in the running game that I saw last week in terms of playing to the strengths of the individual players on the offensive line. And mm-hmm. really, I mean, I'm going to have to go back and watch, obviously. I, I thought that they played really well considering the circumstances. A couple other players that played really well, Joe Burrow, again, having a fantastic game, one of his most efficient games in terms of EPA per play in his NFL career. He had one really bad mistake, and it got waved off. And that was the play <laughs> that was an interception that apparently there was pass interference somewhere. Did you figure out what they actually called on that play? Yeah, it was pass interference, and it was away from the play. Away from was, the play, so, okay. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't near it. And, yeah, you're right. You're talking about bailout. That's it, Because if that play shifts, suddenly everyone's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> and, and you're right back into – to, to worry mode, I think, which a, a lot of fans were, and instead they get the call there. And honestly, that's been the difference. The past couple of weeks, they don't get that call, and and, and then it does snowball. And it might not have been in the fourth quarter in that situation with the seventeen point lead twice in in the quarter, but still, that that doesn't go their way, and it did today, and and that makes a big difference. Obviously, there are actually a few occasions where some questionable or 50-50 calls went the Bengals' way is not something that I think Bengals fans are used to. At least they would tell you they're not used to it, certainly. So it is nice to see a couple of those breaks go their way. The thing is, I'm not even sure. I mean, certainly it's a lot more competitive if that's just an interception and, and the Titans get the ball in the red zone. The way the, the way the defense was playing at that point was kind of prevent and, and the Titans were chewing it up quickly. I mean, there was a point in the, in the fourth quarter of this game, when the Titans were running hurry-up offense with running plays. Mm-hmm. They, they were getting these running plays off for, you know, 8 to 15 yards per play, and they're getting back to the line and getting the ball snapped with 15, 10 seconds off the play clock. Like They're getting the snaps off at 30, 25 seconds on the play clock. And at that point, it was just a good thing that time was on their side. And... That's really what it was. Coming out of the half, I thought to myself, if they score two touchdowns, they probably win the game. Just because there's a limited amount of possessions left in the game overall. And you have to assume the way this game has gone, the Titans aren't going to just have one-minute touchdown drives five times or four times in the second half. And while that has happened for the Titans this year and against the Bengals this year, it feels like, the defense today did just enough getting off the field and in, in some crucial spots. And, you know, so, some respect has to go to that defense as well. I talked about in the open, James, before you joined me, the fact that it, it looked like the Titans were outplaying the Bengals for a lot of this game. The Titans offense was a lot more efficient and it looked like that was eventually going to equalize the Bengals holding on to a lead because they get a red zone interception and because they get a missed field goal at midfield. But instead, they come out in the second half and, and they build on it. They, they play to the score the way it is, and, and they got off the field in some crucial spots, especially in the third quarter, which allowed the Bengals to get that next score. And the fact that the Bengals scored first in the second half is really what started to put the game away. I agree. I agree, Jake, because I went into that third quarter thinking, okay, it's a good start. <laughs> by far it's not over we've seen it the past couple of weeks uh you're right the titans have moved the ball up and down the field 
outside of just a really dumb decision by Ryan Tannehill, you know, the, the, the game is, is close and, and we'll see this first drive and the Bengals got stopped on their first and second drives. They held them scoreless in that third quarter. And I thought that really gave them the momentum and put pressure on because now time is a factor. N- now there is some pressure. There is maybe a little doubt, a little, uh, uh, it forces the Titans to press on offense a bit. And, and even though they were moving the ball when you're down 10 and then the Bengals eventually made it 17, it puts the defense in a position where they can drop back a bit and play loose. And they had a couple turnovers that should have, would have, could have been speaking of that. And just a couple dumb mistakes, a couple penalties cost them the offsides penalty with the Von Bell interception, things like that. So uh, I, I think that the, the defense deserves credit. And that was the moment, the third quarter, the fact that they didn't give up points, because if the Titans, if they receive the ball in the third and go right down and score, I think everyone's like, okay, here we go. Like, the, you know, it's a it's, 10-point lead's going to evaporate quick. 17-7 to is going to go away. Because the Bengals didn't really stop the Titans. They contained them, and, and they got off the field when they need to. They only stopped them, what, two or three times? They forced two or three punts and an, an interception. I mean, it wasn't like it was a ton, but it was just enough. And uh, and I think the the other part of this, and this is – kind of knowing what your personnel is, the fact that the Bengals win the time of possession and controlled the game, and they were able to do it that way, so you keep them their offense off the field. I think those are two things, and you keep your defense fresh, two things that I noticed for sure. Plenty of nice things to talk about on this Victory Monday. We'll hand out some game balls in the third segment of the show as some players really impressed in Week 8. And Jake, I talk about Bilt Bar all the time with you, and, and, and we obviously talk about it here on the podcast. Today, I was able to wake up early because we fell back an hour, so I got to sleep in and still wake up early and squeeze a workout in before I had I went to, to Paul Brown Stadium. Guess what I ate at Paul Brown Stadium? A Bilt Bar. And if you guys haven't tried these yet, Bilt Bars, it's the number one protein bar on the planet. 18 different flavors. And my favorite part about them, it isn't their taste, which is amazing, by the way. Best tasting protein bar I've ever had. It's the fact that they're great for you. High in protein, low in sugar, the 18 different flavors, there's something for everybody. Whether it's cookies and cream, whether it's the the mint chocolate that I just go to each and every time. That's my favorite by far. Peanut butter, so many others. And and mint chocolate is the mint brownie one, to be specific. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. Check out all of their amazing flavors and use promo code locked on, you're going to save 20% off your next order. Again, go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? No, nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. 
And the best part is, at my bookie, the doors never close. So you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at my bookie. And when you do, use promo code locked on to get your deposit match halfway, all the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple. You put in two hundred dollars, they'll match you with another hundred dollars in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. All right, James, a number of game balls to hand out as we finish up a Victory Monday episode, the second one of the season. And there, you could give it to any of the wide receivers to start. We talked about the offensive line, and Billy Price, I think, actually did get a game ball. That offensive line did get some game balls. Good for them. But talking about some other positions, there were some amazing catches from this wide receiver group in this game. T. Higgins on the scramble drill play along the sideline, a ball that – I thought was a throwaway. He manages to to catch, get some toes tapped down inbounds. Amazing play for T. Higgins. There's the the Tyler Boyd catch in the middle of the field when he doesn't see the ball until it's about a foot away from his body. He manages to catch it down in the red zone. The Auden Tate third down catch toward the end of the game to put the game on ice, really. The the go-go gadget arms play from Auden Tate. And... (laughs) Auden Tate catching all of his passes this week. Very efficient with his targets. The ball really spread around quite nicely in this game for Joe Burrow, but these receivers, I thought, really played quite well. No doubt about it, Jake. And it's it's crazy. T. Higgins, you wonder how good his rapport can get with Burrow, and it seems to get better each and every week. I mean, they're just on a different level when Burrow moves and, and rolls out. And you mentioned the way he was able to go up and get it. I was here, obviously, and I'm looking, and, and I'm like, oh, that's that's out of bounds. At least he got rid of it. And T just goes up somehow and gets both feet down. And it's it's an amazing throw, but an even better catch. And it, it's crazy to think about because these are rookies. These aren't guys that are five- to six-year veterans, right? And uh, it, it's you're right, the, the, the three, the trio. And it's been a trio the past three weeks, but this week the trio was Higgins, Boyd, Tate, the trio all had crucial, uh, crucial huge catches uh, on third downs to extend drives, to scores, depending on the, the situation. And, and I think it was clear, by the way, Tate has moved and bypassed Mike Thomas. And you, you kind of you wondered what, what Tate, what his role was going to be, how it was going to be. Because remember week two, he's a healthy scratch, and then he comes back and he's, he's active the rest of the way. I think he's missed one game due to injury. But other than that, he's been active. But he hasn't been a big part of the offense, and he was today. And, and Mike Thomas, you didn't see him out there much. I don't know his exact snap count, but it wasn't high. So I think that this is kind of the four receivers you're going to see moving forward in Higgins, Boyd, Green, and Tate. And uh, all four now have shown that they can come up big in big moments and, and make plays downfield, which uh, when I look at it from a Burrow trust standpoint, I think he can trust all four guys. And the one guy that he might trust the least is number 18, which is kind of crazy to say. But I, I think that also speaks to how well this unit is playing and how well they played on Sunday. There are some week-to-week consistency issues between Burrow and Green right now, twice in the game on maybe even three times in the game on Sunday against the Titans. Joe Burrow's throwing slants to A.J. Green. And there's two occasions I, I can think of where, where Green sits down and Joe Burrow throws it as if he's going to continue running the slant. And then there's an interception, which I don't think is as much on Green as Burrow didn't see the linebacker coming underneath there. 
But there's two plays in the game where he and Green are on different pages on slant routes, where, where AJ is sitting down a little bit and not continuing the route all the way through the slant is, is a little bit too frequent. Meanwhile, T. Higgins, we talked about, I think he might actually be emerging as the number one target for this offense the rest of the way on the outside. His last four games, he's had eight, eight, five, and nine targets, and that puts him on a pace uh, after this game for about 976 yards, almost 1,000 yards, on 66 catches and six touchdowns, which for a guy who only had 75 yards and eight catches three weeks into the season because he accumulated no stats in week one, that's a very impressive clip for the rookie wide receiver who has quickly established himself in the pecking order in Cincinnati. There's no doubt. There, there's no doubt about it. He, he's impressing each and every week. He's growing some of the contested catches he made against the Browns. And, and then he draws the pass interference this week in the end zone, which sets up the first touchdown. Uh, it, it's, you can tell, you can tell it's starting to click him and bro are starting to click. And it's, uh, it is going to be interesting to see how how much they can they can grow because I, I think when you have a guy like Burrow whose ceiling is just high, so high and you don't know what T's ceiling is obviously he didn't come in like Green did with all the praise and hype of being the fourth overall pick but you do wonder about the ceiling and I, I can't help but think of Dalton and, and Green in, in their rookie years and then looking at these two guys and the way they're performing and, and it it does seem like the off script stuff the their ability to to just be on the on the same page when things are starting to go awry that is special and and that's unique by the way that's hard to build right burrow and green would love to have that right now and and they don't but higgins and burrow certainly do and it's important because some of those are on vertical balls too and and that is something that the bengals were missing early this year and and it started to come along largely because of t higgins emergence in that area of the game I'm just now reading the uh, PFF recap, James, and we talked about the offensive line quite a bit earlier. I just wanted to hit one more stat here for the offensive line before we move on to talk about some other players that had standout performances. Joe Burrow was not sacked or hit in this game, according to PFF and, and their pressure charting. I mean, obviously he he spun out of a few play, a few tackles on that one Houdini play. So I guess mm-hmm. those aren't counted as hits in this case. I guess they're counted as broken tackles or or something like that. But outside of that, I mean, a a, a clean performance like that this week of all weeks with with this offensive line is just a noteworthy thing that I wanted to just throw out there before we move on. On the defensive side of the ball, I, I mean, is it anyone but Jesse Bates? I think Von Bell did play a little bit better this week and he had a couple interceptions or one interception taken away by penalty. But Jesse Bates continues to be this, like almost entirely the Bengals defense. Like they, they're picking on LaShawn Sims out there after Darius Phillips goes out with the groin injury. But Jesse Bates, man, reliable, reliable center field safety. No doubt. It's, it's, uh, it's awesome to watch because you, you're right. It, it, the, the play, the interception, you knew right away, oh, 30's coming down with that. You know, it was a bad Beth row but but it's just he finds himself in those positions now he he delivers big hits over the middle he's he's not going to i get it some people question his tackling but he he is a hitter and he'll hit you 
and he's he's great in that center field spot. And uh, outside of one to Corey Davis, where William Jackson got beat, and I think the interception was after this. <laughs> I think it was the first drive of the game. William Jackson gets beat by Davis, and uh, Bates is a little late getting there. Then he responds with the interception. I mean, he's he's been exceptional. Uh, you know, people talk about Pro Bowl, All Pro. I'm not sure. All I know is Zach Taylor gave him a, a game ball, and it was his first game ball since uh, since being an NFL player. So how about that? In, in three seasons, he hasn't had one yet, but he got one today. Good for all of these players today. Really just – how nice is it, James? We're going into this bye week now. The Bengals have finally won a game against a quality opponent. Has your confidence level in any of the coaches improved? Because I know my, my confidence level in the offensive coaching staff in the last three weeks, I know that they've played some questionable defenses in that time. But they've made do with missing a lot of players. And I still have a lot of questions on the defensive side of the ball. But going into the bye week, and we'll talk about this a lot this week as we look back on the first half of the season, what are you feeling? I agree. I think it's a a three-week thing, right? It it isn't just this week. It isn't just the result and the win. But the way Burrow continues to evolve, it seems like. The way Higgins is developing, uh, the, the trio of receivers, I just mentioned it, Zach's ability to realize, yeah, Mike Thomas shouldn't be in there. It should be Auden Tate. And I think he realized that at some point. Well, that paid off because Thomas isn't making those catches. Fair or not. And and so that that's uh, that, that's something that they're going to have to build on. And, and as, as far as, as coaches go, we'll see. I, I don't want to, you know, get too excited but I, I do think that this offense is showing that it can be dangerous week in and week out and you know they're gonna have two weeks now you know have the bye and then you have a week to prepare for uh arguably the best team in the nfl and the way they're playing in the pittsburgh steelers who are still undefeated after beating baltimore so that's going to be a tough tough task and you're right we'll have time to break down some of this because i think there's specific positions uh coaches and, and things like that that we should talk about and discuss that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. The second woo of the season is in the books, and the Bengals can earn a third in Week 10 if they manage to defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Until then, Bengals fans, it's been a few weeks since I've said this on a Sunday show. day, and have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.